Welcome to Wormhole Waffles, a Stargate podcast. Welcome to Wormhole Waffles. I'm your host, Chelsea, and with me is my co-host, Arzu. Hello. Last week, we talked about SG-1 Season 3, Episodes 12 and 13, which is a great double arc with Apophis and Jacob. Today, we'll be talking about Episodes 14 and 15, Foothold and Pretense. Foothold premiered on November 5th, 1999, was written by Heather E. Ash and directed by Andy Mikita. Pretense premiered on January 21st, 2000, was written by Catherine Powers and directed by David Worry Smith. So we're no longer partying like it's 1999, but we did survive Y2K. (laughs) What were you doing on Y2K, Arcee? I was in Iran. We had gone for a Christmas vacation. Uh, but we left early because it's like a long trip. So we wanted to go for more than the two weeks. So I was in my grandparents' like TV room watching BBC News or or Euro News. It was one or the other, like showing clips of people around the world celebrating Y2K. There were hamburgers. I remember that much. Hamburgers. There was cake because New Year's is my dad's birthday. And I was doing homework while watching TV. Fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> doing homework. I, I yeah. distinctly remember not handing half that homework in. Yeah, I mean, we would have been 10 years old. I was nine. Yeah, I hadn't yeah. turned 10 yet. What? Neither had you. That would um, be the year we turned 10. Oh, we turned 10 right. in the year 2000, so we were both nine at the right. time. Right, we were both nine at the year, right. Yeah. I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, we were so little. <laughs> Yeah, I was trying to remember if I if we had started watching Stargate at that point yet or not. Because, I mean, it was originally on Showtime and we didn't have cable. So, I don't know. Probably not then. So, for me on Y2K, it was like with my family at home. And I guess my, my sister graduated high school in 2000. So, she would have been a, a senior in high school. I think that was the year that we had made a lot of confetti. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, for us watching like New Year's stuff on TV is like we watch the New York stuff that ends at like 11. And then we have to like see if there's anything local that we can actually watch for midnight. And I think back then there wasn't really anything. I think they just replayed the New York stuff again for our midnight. Nowadays, we actually have stuff in like Fort Worth and Dallas that we can watch on TV. But back then, it was like, okay, let's watch a rerun of (laughs) New York. I think the New York broadcast runs for at least an hour post midnight. So, like, if you're one hour behind them, then you have your, like, they're still doing something when your new year happens. I think I'm usually not watching TV by that point. So, (laughs) well, yeah. And so we like shot up all this confetti. And uh, we were still cleaning up, finding little bits of that confetti, like, five, ten years later. Like, it just got everywhere. And I remember it being, like, the whole Y2K scare thing. And I feel like my dad was kind of like, well, I don't know if the computers are going to do anything weird. But he, like, wasn't scared. And so I was like, I mean, it felt, like, pretty chill at my house. So Ours, too, because, like... I mean, our dads are engineers, so they're like, yeah, it's fine. Like, whatever, it's fine. Like, my mom had a degree in computer science. Like, both of them were like, it, no, nothing's going to, it's fine. Yeah. The so worst thing no would be, panic. like, the computers have an error code on the date or something. You know, like, that would be the worst thing that would happen. Yeah, like, yeah. Was, I, I know ER did an episode like that, where right at Y2K, like, something goes wrong with the computer. But it was, like, shot prior to so i think they were just being funny like i don't know yeah like the software crashes or something yeah yeah i didn't think like the world was going to end or anything i was just confused or not confused. i was just wondering if something would happen like something would happen with like a tv broadcast or something but then like watching new york have midnight first and nothing happens you know then it's like oh well <laughs> like if nothing happened at their midnight why would something happen at my midnight I think that's the part everybody forgets is that like they're like, well, systems are going to crash at midnight. And it's like, okay, but who's midnight? Right. Like if everything's fine in Australia, then everything's going to be fine everywhere else. Is Australia Maybe the first like, country on that side of the dateline? I, I no think idea. so, right? Like wait, whatever like, the first you know, country. 
like this country fails at midnight and the next place fails at their midnight and the next place fails at their midnight you know maybe it would be like a cascading but then but then if it failed we'd never find out (gasps) what a premise for a sci-fi novel (laughs) nobody steal that (laughs) what do you mean we'd never find out i mean we would like know that we weren't getting signals anymore from those countries but it's a holiday. Nobody's at work. Nobody's really checking. And it's like one scientist going, there's no signal coming in. And they're like, what are you talking about, Johnson? There's no problem at all. And then like, they have to like, I don't know, save the world. Nobody steal my idea. Do it. <laughs> Somebody's going to jump in the comments and be like, actually, that that was like a sci-fi series that came out right. in like 2003. <laughs> and there's like eight volumes. And But if that's not the case, then nobody steal my idea. You never know. You could probably find a way to we could probably find a way to work it like into Stargate too. Why Stargate? I'm going to be rich. I don't know. Well, because we're always starting a podcast. We're gonna figure out I'm going to make it an original novel series and become rich. Oh, okay. Sorry. That's sorry. That's <laughs> Just trying to bring us back on topic here. <laughs> sorry. Okay. Back to Stargate. <laughs> and we can use my wealth to go to a Stargate convention. Ah, there we go. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Apparently all the big ones are in Europe. So. So we're going to need that money. Yeah. <laughs> From my lucrative sci-fi franchise. Yeah. Okay, so we've got Foothold and Pretense. And Foothold is a really good episode, in my opinion. So I'm excited to talk about it. Arzu, would you please summarize these two episodes? So Foothold, they come back from a trip. And they're like, you have to go through your standard procedure in the infirmary. And they're like, something suspicious is going on. Because it's quiet in here and nobody's answering our questions. Now they want to put needles in our butts. (laughs) And lo and behold... Aliens have taken over the SGC and doppelgangering everybody. Um, But because Teal'c and Sam have the little wormies, they are not under as long. I think Sam's not under as long. Teal'c doesn't go under at all. I think. No, he does a little bit. Just a little bit. They they they, do knock him out. Yeah. They just bounce back like alarmingly quickly and escape. Mm -hmm. Or like Teal'c helps Sam escape because he gets caught. She makes a call to a guy that she does not like in the military. And she's like, we have a foothold situation, meaning aliens have taken over the SGC. And it kind of becomes about stopping that from happening. Indeed. And then pretense, I loved, (laughs) loved, loved, loved this episode. Basically, they are summoned to participate in what is called the triad by the, I kept wanting to say the Tok'ra, that's not it, it's the Tolan. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> like the other T people. Um, <laughs> they get summoned by the Tolan to participate in this thing called the Triad, which is basically like a trial. Scara is there. And the purpose of this is to determine who has ownership of Scara's body, Scara himself, or his little wormy guy. Mm-hmm. And it just, it reminded me of some really good Star Trek. And it remi- it's very topical today when it comes to like bodily autonomy. And it's just, oh, it was just so, so, so good. And, like, there was some sci-fi plot, too, that involved, like, spaceships and guns. And I, yeah. I, don't, I can't tell you how much I don't care. Because <laughs> it was so good. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, whatever. The, the, the moral core of it, the human side of it was so good. Was so, so good. <laughs> All right. So let's do our quote reveal. Last week I gave you the quote, you are an idiot every day of the week. Why couldn't you have taken one day off? And I forgot to write down what your guess was, but I'm pretty sure you thought it was Jack. <laughs> I did think it was Jack. I think I said it's probably Jack, but watch it be like Sam or something. No, I know you didn't mention Sam. I didn't mention Okay, maybe I said watch it be Daniel. I don't know. I feel like one of these weeks I guessed Jack, but I'm like, but watch me be wrong and it's actually. Yeah, I know. I, I distinctly remember, remember you never mentioning Sam. Sam. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And apparently that was an ad lib line by Amanda Tapping. <laughs> That's brilliant. That was so funny. Yeah. That's really good. It's like the one and only time that she talks back to a superior. Okay. So at the top of this episode, yeah, Teal'c and Sam get knocked out. And well, I mean, they all get knocked out, but Daniel and Jack are taken to this machine to be, it's like basically like a giant Xerox machine. They like put, the people on like a gurney through this machine and it spits out two devices one to copy their physical appearance and their voice and one to mimic their 
thought patterns, I guess. Mm -hmm. And not their memories, though. That's one thing they don't have. Right. Maybe recent memories, though, because I mean, they know who people are, like who certain people are. That's true. I thought for some reason, I thought they said that it doesn't have the memory, but maybe I'm, I'm misremembering that. I think it would have at least recent memory in order for it to work, because otherwise, like, you would know their thought patterns, but then how would you know who anybody was? Right. So each of the aliens gets these devices so that they look like different people in the SGC. And I think they haven't quite completed the process yet when SG-1 comes back from a mission because like when they're transferring Teal'c to a different floor, they use the cover of there's a chemical transfer in progress to kind of signal probably to the aliens, you know, make sure you're not visible if you're in your alien form and, you know, and stuff yeah. like that. And because when Teal'c manages to get free, he knocks out a couple guys and they're bleeding like human blood. So I think they probably hadn't quite finished copying everybody yet at that yeah, point. Yeah, that makes sense. And so it didn't, yeah, it didn't work on Teal'c because he's a Jaffa or Sam because she has the, I, I guess just like the leftover Naquita in her system from Jolinar is enough to prevent her from being copied, which is interesting. This leftover Naquita is such a catch-all. It really is. Sam. <laughs> I'm like, this is functionally functionally a, a gold in your system or a token right. in your system. Like, yeah. for all intents and purposes. Or as you call it, her multivitamin. Yeah, her multi- that's what I was called. I'm like, I called it something. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's her multivitamin. Her multivitamin and now I'm like, it's her, her multivitamin and her plot armor. <laughs> yeah. Which, like, don't get me wrong. I love my girl, Sam Carter, so... Yeah. <laughs> it's very convenient. But yeah, so Tilk wakes up first from the sedative and he's being escorted to a different floor by Sergeant Siler, who is always the random person who gets knocked out by something. It's like becomes like a recurring joke. This he one sergeant. <laughs> yeah. Basically. But what I noticed this time, I had to like go back and watch it, was that so like Tilk is on a gurney and he like grabs this guy by the head and kind of like flips him around but he only like flips the top half of the sergeant's body back onto the gurney and the actor pulls his own legs up onto the gurney <laughs> before getting like knocked out oh my god <laughs> I, was like, I love so i love funny. little mistakes like that like when they're like, he's dead, but like obviously his chest is still rising and falling. <laughs> but it like happened so quickly. I was like, wait a minute, did I see that right? I like went back and watched it. I was like, oh yeah, he puts his own legs up. That's funny. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like this is one of the very few episodes where we see some like bonding between Sam and Teal'c. There's not a whole lot of Sam Teal'c moments. Yeah, they get like. I was excited at first. I'm like, oh, we get a Sam Teal'c episode. And it's not like a whole episode, but. Yeah, I'm usually just one scene. Time together. Still. Yeah, but it's still nice. Like, so he helps wake her up from the sedative and they come up with a plan to retake the SGC. So, yeah, I mean, it's only like one scene that they have together, but it's still nice. Like, it's still like a nice bonding moment where like they obviously trust each other, you know. And they don't usually together. get scenes like this. So, yeah. And because, like, Sam is going to go try to find help outside the SGC and Teal'c is going to create a distraction. So it's like he trusts her enough to know that she's going to come back for him. So, yeah, that's really nice. Good for them. Yeah. But I was I was wondering about the security of the SGC because she's like, okay, this is the only exit where nobody's going to see me leave and it's just like a random hatch in the middle of the forest. And I'm like, this doesn't seem like very secure. Because then she's able to go right back in later. I wonder if normally there's like a mechanism that prevents you from opening it from the outside. But she like disabled it or something when she left. Given that my only other theory was she like has the guard patterns memorized. Mm -hmm. and was going like around that and that doesn't hold as much water 
because then people can exploit that, right? So yeah. I think your your way makes more sense. It's still, the, but it just doesn't seem very secure, though. No. So I, yeah, I don't. I'm like, if there's a hatch that opens up in the middle of the forest as like an emergency escape route, I feel like that should be equally as guarded as the main entrance, right? I mean, you'd think, or at least have a guard there as opposed to not guarded at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, eh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they figure if like the fence line is extremely well guarded, then a hatch within the fence line, like behind the fence line is not going to be in danger, but I guess, but obviously they're wrong. But yeah. <laughs> they need to up their security the after this. <laughs> And I'm also confused about how Sam flies all the way from Colorado to D.C. to meet with Mayborn. Because, I mean, that would take a few hours, especially even just, like, the waiting for the flight and all that kind of stuff. Well, this is 2000. Mm -hmm. Most of the wait time was not in effect yet. Yeah, there's not all the heavy security stuff. She She can board with her driver's license. Right. And but still, that would be a few hours, and, and she's meeting him at 4 o'clock. So they must have left on their mission extremely early in the morning and also gotten back very quickly. I mean, it's very possible. Time. Like, if she if she went first thing in the morning, mm-hmm. then it's possible. Because, like, after they got back from their mission, they were knocked out for who knows how long exactly. You know, and then it took time to for her to walk from the SGC, you know, from Cheyenne Mountain yeah. to a town with the, where she could get a cab. I mean, get to the airport, hypothetically, you know? they could have gone through the Stargate yesterday and come back right. at like five o'clock in the morning. That's true. I feel like that makes more sense because <laughs> otherwise it's like they left on the mission at 7 a.m. and came back at eight. And... No, they could have come back like at at five and everybody um yeah. on base is just on standby for them to come back yeah that could be yeah so sam meets mayborn and delivers that iconic line <laughs> it's such a good line <laughs> but then i have in my my notes like whenever so he had like arranged for colonel neil and dr jackson to come and meet them at the cafe and, and she's really upset about it and i'm like these, this episode should be called gaslighting because they should they were all gaslighting her yeah all even even mayborn who is not you know taken over by an alien he's just like yeah you sound crazy but he's a man so men oh i did put in my notes you know they're under alien invasion so like being impersonated by aliens i'm like you know they're under alien invasion because daniel looks cool for a change <laughs> unrealistic i don't know just the way he like carried himself with like the sunglasses i was like oh that's not (laughs) that's not daniel jackson he had more swagger he had so much more swagger i'm like that's not daniel jackson not really (laughs) which i guess is a testament to michael shanks who's obviously not the same kind of dork that daniel jackson is right (laughs) my condolences mr shanks (laughs) he was very calm also this alien that was impersonating him yeah because even to do some research and be like you need to be a lot more anxious if you want to sing daniel (laughs) right but even like when he was basically found out as being an alien he was just not concerned at all because like they get on the plane with mayborn and there's a glitch and jack's alien the appearance glitches so you can see he's an alien and daniel's alien is like not freaking out at all even when they kill the other guy, he's just like... <laughs> he's a little too chill. Right? He's just like, oh, I thought that's too bad. <laughs> I thought there was something wrong with my TV when the alien glitched. Like with my TV <laughs> or with the DVD. I'm like, what just happened? And then he glitched again. I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's how good the, the glitch was. It really had yeah, to it, was, for a it was just so subtle. I'm like, there's something wrong with, with the CD. And then I'm like, that's not the CD. <laughs> Yeah, because like so, there was also an alien impersonating uh, Major Davis on the plane, and when Jack's alien got killed, he immediately came out like guns blazing. And meanwhile, Daniel's alien is just like standing there. I'm like, why are you? Because <laughs> Daniel you Jackson is useless no matter the context. <laughs> I almost wonder if 
having access to the thought patterns of the person they're impersonating will affect their behavior in any way. Like, since Daniel is more calm by nature, then his alien was also more calm. Whereas, yeah. like, the, <laughs> the, the alien guys... overcompensated. Yeah, and, like, the guys, the military guys are tend to be more jump into action. So their aliens are a little bit more, like, reactionary. I don't know, I'm just trying to help out the writing at this point, because... I feel like Daniel's alien just was not reacting right. <laughs> he was just, yeah, I think he overcompensated. He's like, he's the calm one. Which right. he to mean, just doesn't react to anything ever. Yeah, well, I mean, it's like at first he was obviously trying to play it off like he wasn't an alien. But when they took the little device off of him to show that he was actually an alien, he still didn't freak out. Like, he still didn't try to fight. <laughs> Also, speaking of fighting, Samantha Carter, why are you drawing a gun on the plane? Well, what else are you going to do? Doesn't that, like, isn't that really dangerous? Well, of course, but... Like, to the structural integrity of the plane and ergo your lives? Yeah, but, I mean, that's all she's got. So, like, what what other option does she have? And, I mean, she's well-trained. Like, she's can aim well it's more like the guy impersonating major davis coming in guns blazing like randomly shooting at stuff that was really putting them in danger yeah i guess i don't know (laughs) it was really satisfying to see mayborn be like completely shocked and like oh okay i guess you're right (laughs) i was wrong and then as soon as the aliens at the sgc realize that they have sam on the way back they stop pretending to be the real people in front of Teal'c and are like, let's go experiment on his symbiote. That sounds fun. They're so subtle. <laughs> well, I mean, they blew their cover immediately because when Teal'c first woke up, one of the aliens was in his natural form, literally right outside the door where Teal'c was. And I'm like, you're not very good at covert. They're not very good, period. <laughs> They're just real bad at their jobs. <laughs> Which is funnier when you think about, like, how long an operation like this must have taken to plan. Right. And then for it to all fall apart in, like, a few hours because they just didn't think it all the way through. I mean, they got pretty far because they were managing to, like, bring Colonel Mayborn back to the SGC. So if they had succeeded, then they could have gotten him copied and replaced. I mean, they got far, but it's not exactly like like they didn't have any long-term success. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's how I'm measuring the the lack of success. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at some point, they wouldn't be able to keep bringing people to the SGC to copy. They'd probably have to, maybe they could have, like, taken Mayborn's plane and put the copy device in there and taken that directly to DC to copy people. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm not sure if they really thought it that through that much. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think, I think we're thinking about this a lot more than the writers did. <laughs> yeah. So they find them themselves suspended from these goopy looking ropes mm-hmm. in a cave mm-hmm. that I, for a second, thought were their exposed rib cages. No, no. And I almost threw up. And then I realized <laughs> that's not something they do on the sci fi channel. No. In the year 2000. <laughs> no, definitely not. They did not aim to make people but. throw up. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was kind of a weird setup. It would kind of, I mean, it did look like organs like it looked like the intestines or something that they were like hung up yeah Um, like i guess that's what it was it was like the intestines and ribs of something else but i thought it was like theirs for a second yeah and i'm like they're slowly being turned inside out and i'm like i'm not my stomach's not strong enough for this (laughs) no mine wouldn't have been either if that was the case but i did notice that both with one of the aliens on the plane and then with the alien impersonating Frasier, that neither Colonel O'Neill nor Mayborn killed either of those aliens. So I wonder if they were like hoping to question them further and such. I mean, certainly Mayborn has a history of wanting to experiment on aliens. So he probably wanted to take one back to Area 51 and experiment on it. Yeah, probably. Which he didn't get to do. Ha ha. <laughs> He's probably bummed out about that. 
Whereas I feel like Jax is more like an ethical thing. Yeah, maybe. Well, I mean, even just like in terms of like the, wanting to question it in general. And then when it didn't work out, like it's fine. Yeah. Like he's not that bummed about it. Did you like Jack's impersonation of himself being impersonated? <laughs> Jack cracked me up this episode. <laughs> partially that and partially the one that really jumped out to me was when Sam shows back up. Oh, yeah. Is Daniel. So I guess that's Michael Shanks doing an Amanda Tapping impression. Doing yeah. Impression. It's like it's like some Victor Victorian nonsense. But just in terms of, you know what I mean. But yeah. um, Jack being like, what? <laughs> who are who are you really? And Sam just not clocking it. Yeah. I'm like, this man's like, suddenly I'm attracted to you and I don't know why. <laughs> and then she thinks something. I was like, oh, it's you. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, it all, it's all coming together. I didn't get quite that impression myself, but... I mean, I think I'm obviously reading a little too much into this. I just thought that would be very funny if that's what was going through his head. So there's something about your mannerisms that I suddenly find very attractive. <laughs> I just thought that that whole exchange, who are you? And they're like, sir, blah, blah, blah. He's like, but who are you? And I'm like, so good. I feel like it's more like Daniel would have been chattier, probably. Yeah. And so he's like, why are you being so quiet? <laughs> he knew because Sam's his soulmate. Yeah. And then and then she goes, she's like, they know everything about us. And he has this like moment. He's like, everything? I'm like, including <laughs> how you feel about Samantha right? <laughs> They know. They know yeah, how I mean, you feel. It begs the question, like, how much of their thoughts and feelings and memories do they really get with those little devices? That's why they let them win, so that Sam Jack can go forth. <laughs> That's the only reason. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Jack goes and frees Teal'c, and Sam figures out a way to set off a harmonic disturbance so that the little devices that the aliens are using to impersonate people don't work anymore. And so... The aliens realize they're compromised and they try to leave. It's just over the escape through the Stargate. And they manage to shut it off so they can't all go through. And there's like the main leader dude who was impersonating Hammond before. He like gave a little speech before he set off the self-destruct. I'm like, are we never going to find out what he was saying? What was the well, speech he was this, giving? Do we see these people again? No. <laughs> So, yeah. I wanted to hear the epic speech, though. Like, he was really going on and on. (laughs) (laughs) So they self-destruct, and it causes a lot of damage. Like, there's a huge hole in the gate ramp now, and, like, blast marks everywhere. I'm like, okay, well, they've got some repairs to do before they resume. In January, they needed a couple months to fix it. Right. Yeah, so that makes me wonder, like, how long they suspend gate travel for while they get stuff cleaned up. I don't know how long it takes to, like, get a ramp replaced. Two months. (laughs) I don't think it would take that long. Maybe, like, a week. But I I think this is probably the only time that we see Mayborn be humble and admit that it was all successful because of Sam. Yeah. Because I think, because we're still going to see him several more times after this, and he is so full of himself all the time. I'm like, I this is probably the nicest we're ever going to see him. Well, she did call him an idiot every day of the week, so. Yeah. He deserved that. He did deserve that. That's a great line. You're an idiot every day of the week. Couldn't you have taken today off? <laughs> yeah. Oh, back at the beginning, when they first came through and they were getting examined in the infirmary and... They were getting a needle in their butts. I think probably to like draw blood or maybe antibiotics or something um, like that. If you want to send like a vitamin shot mm-hmm. through someone's body, the stomach, the thigh, and the butt are three great places to do it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I thought it was really funny how Jack turned to the nurse and was like, really jam it in there this time. <laughs> As opposed to what, Jack? I don't know. Maybe sometimes they're too tentative and it like takes too long. Yeah, maybe. 
I will say, if you're getting a needle in the butt and you have a lot of muscle in your butt, it hurts like hell. Oh, yeah, I can yeah. see that. Yeah. I was wondering about, so they kept saying that the reason that they had to go to the infirmary right away was because there's this chemical spill. And so I was like, I wonder if this is a real thing. So they they say there's a chemical spill of tetrachloroethylene. And so I looked this up and it is used in dry cleaning and as a metal degreasing solvent. And in low doses, it's, it's not too terrible, but like if you do get a big dose of it, it is very bad for you. But I was like, wait, what are the side effects? Like, because they're talking about how the side effects are like paranoid delusion and all this kind of stuff. I'm like, mm, <laughs> is that accurate? And so it's, this says, if you breathe in air containing a large amount of tetrachloroethylene, you may become dizzy or sleepy, develop headaches and become or uncoordinated, or you may become unconscious. And some people had even died when being exposed to an excessive amount. So okay. my I mean, dizzy, headaches, non-coordination. That's not exactly a paranoid delusion. No, but it does fit in very nicely with their gaslighting of like, no, this is going to make you paranoid. You're yeah. paranoid because of the gas. And like, meanwhile, that's not what's happening. But yeah, it does fit in with the gaslighting very nicely. At least it's kind of like, it's very, the real side effects that it has are very similar to what they say it does. So it's not, like, completely out of the ballpark, you know? No, no, I don't think so. I just think, like, the one thing that doesn't really seem to line up is the paranoid delusion, but that does fit right. in the plot, so... Yeah. I can excuse it. Yeah. So you thought Teal'c's comment that they definitely look alien is racist? He's like, no, they are alien. And, like, as opposed to you? <laughs> Who is not? Yeah, he said, I think his line was, they are truly alien. Yeah, I'm like, you have a worm that tells you what to do sometimes. I That's a gross oversimplification. Yeah, um, I don't think it was derogatory at all. I think it was just like, they are not humanoid, you know? Yeah, I'm just like, Teal'c. <laughs> That's racist. Teal'c's, Teal'c's never racist. People are racist no. against him. That's true. I'm going to talk about the next episode. <laughs> okay, do you want to get started? <laughs> Speaking of <laughs> speaking of racism, speaking of people being mean to teal, but then they're not mean to teal. Oh, okay. That so little bit made me cry. So next episode, we see Scar again. Yay! <laughs> he's so uh, little, little, like he's, he's a little guy. guy. He's a little guy, like <laughs> emotionally. So. Oh, he's yeah. a little on the inside. That's true. I mean, he's probably supposed to be around 20 years old, so... Yeah, a baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so right off the top, the cat Schrodinger comes through the Stargate. So I'm like, yay, kitty. <laughs> and Nareem comes through. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not as excited about you. I was excited about the cat. No, just excited about the cat. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> so turns out that... Harrower was chasing Chlorel, and so Chlorel specifically went to Talana, knowing that they would shoot Harrower's ships down. And, I mean, that's, like, surface level what they say it is. We kind of find out later that there's more to it than just that. And so Skara, as Chlorel, crash lands on Talana and asks for help. And so... They are having a trial slash triad in order to determine who can have like dominance in Scar's body. And I feel like just in general, when they're first learning about the triad and Nareem not understanding the word trial, it's kind of like, it's literally one letter off. First of all, it's one letter <laughs> off. Second of all, the word trial, like lowercase c trial, like trials and tribulations mm -hmm. is like a word mm -hmm. you know what i mean yeah it's like a thing yeah so it's just it's one of those things where it's like what words you use and not use right but i do think it was funny when he's like 
the triad is where we're going to like determine justice for wrongs and come to an outcome or whatever. And Daniel's like, oh, so it's like a trial. And he's like, I'm not familiar with your trials. I'm like, why are we saying things like this, Daniel? Like, stop trying to be funny. <laughs> yeah, but then even then, when Daniel described what a trial is, Nareem was like, oh, yes, that sounds similar. I'm like, no, it sounds exactly like it. It is literally it's the exact same, same thing. <laughs> it's not similar. It's exactly the same thing, just with different terminology. So we have, instead of like the defendant and the, what's the opposite of defendant? Prosecution? The, yeah, the prosecution. The prosecution okay. and the defense. So instead But I don't of, think that applies here because nobody's getting prosecuted. Well, no, because I mean they don't use you, those terms though. I mean for this one they just use seeker and this so is more it, like I was gonna say this is more like a divorce trial where each side has their counsel. Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's not like But still like no, the there's, terms there's no Well the the terms for the person whose fate is being decided is seeker and then the counsel is called Archon. Yes. But yeah. So, I mean, it's not like a criminal court. This would be like civil court. So for Chlorel, he gets another Gwold to come like help defend his side. And so we meet Lord Zapakna, who Jack calls Zippy, and who I will continue to call Zippy. As you should. <laughs> for the rest of the episode. And who is wearing what I can only describe as island formal wear. <laughs> I saw him walking like, what is this outfit? <laughs> It's fun. It's like he's got a dress on and it's like fabric with an overlay of beads woven into a net. And, and then, then he's his, got like sandals. Yeah, there's like crown like partially he's woven just, from, you know, reeds or something. He's just a very large man. He's 6'6". Six, six. Yeah, he is. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I added like a that. note. I added a note cuz you're like where we know him from. Mm -hmm. in your notes. Yeah, I added something. Oh, I see. Yeah, so like I most familiar with him, I guess it's playing Joshua in season two of Dark Angel. For those who know that, he played Fred Dukes in the Wolverine movie. He was a Mogadorian commander in I Am Number Four. So, I mean, see all kinds of like sci-fi fantasy stuff. Arzu added Little John and Robin Hood. He was also in Lost. And then most recently, he's been in, he was in the show Lock and Key. He played Frederick Gideon, who was the villain, and he did a really good job. He actually got to be, like, look like himself. Normally, he plays all these parts that have, like, a lot of makeup. <laughs> really? I feel like anytime I see, oh, you mean Lock and Key? Yeah. Well, because, like, in I Am Number 4, it was a lot of makeup. Dark Angel was a lot of makeup. Uh, Wolverine was a lot of makeup. And apparently he's going to be in a new Planet of the Apes movie coming out next year. So, I mean, he's in, he's in quite a bit of stuff. There's been lots of, like, random episodes of things. He was on Family Guy for a few episodes. Just a consistently working actor. Yeah. And I really like his voice. He has a really deep voice. It's nice. If you have not seen the Robin Hood that he's in, it's the Russell Crowe one. Okay. No, I haven't it's seen it. great. Okay. I love it. <laughs> Okay. He's there. This guy from a Canadian, like a Canadian band from Newfoundland is there. Mm -hmm. uh, this guy whose name I'm blanking on, but who was on ER for like 10 seasons is there. Russell Crowe and Kate Blanchett, obviously. Baby Oscar Isaac. Oh, now that plays Prince John. Okay. I'll have to watch that. And someday I, I swear I'm going to get you to watch Dark Angel with me. I have it. I have it because my mom really likes it. That's a great show. About the TC. I haven't watched it in a long time, though. I'm like, I wonder how well it holds up. I feel like it does. I can't think of anything that would be problematic off the top of my head. But anyway, <laughs> I like this actor. He doesn't and... wear a lot of makeup in Robin Hood, but he is covered in dirt for most of it. Ah, yeah. And so for our neutral Archon, we have Laia from the Knox come back. And so it's always nice to see her. Mm-hmm. And so one thing that I noticed in the background was because they each have like designated rooms that they can go back to. And each of the rooms has a banner representing where they're from. And so like the Earth team, they have an orange banner with the Earth symbol where it's like the top of the pyramid with the sun over it. And 
um, Scar and Corel have a split banner where half of it is Apophysis symbol and then half of it is a symbol for Abydos. And Guess then trying to be fair. Yeah. And then Laia has a banner that's a light purple color and it kind of looks like a headband with wings on it. I was like, that's interesting. That's a cute little design representing the Nox. I don't know how that because I mean the Nox don't have wings. So I was like, what? Maybe because of like some of the creatures on their planet. I mean it's supposed to represent that. Maybe. I don't know. But a nice little like look into a potential symbol that the Nox have for themselves. And we also get some interesting pronunciations of things in this episode. So with Skara, his the gold that's inhabiting him is called Chlorel, but Zippy pronounces it Chloral. Yeah. <laughs> which they found amusing. I think the, the voice distortion is throwing him off. Maybe. And then High Chancellor Travel, normally she says Goa'uld correctly, but there was one time where she said Goa'uld. Okay, she, <laughs> jumping to the end of the episode at one point, she needed to say the term Goa'uld mothership. Mm-hmm. What she said was Goa'uld mothership. M- mothership? Like, like it was like four words. <laughs> I'm like, I can't, I'm not even doing it right. But it was like four separate words. I'm like, ma'am. She pronounced it correctly, though. No, she was like, Gua'uld, mothership. And I'm like, as opposed to fathership? <laughs> like, it's not two different words. <laughs> I didn't notice that. I was just focused on if she pronounced Gua'uld correctly or not. That was so funny. I'm like, what is this line delivery, madam? <laughs> I was like just looking like, oh, I've got another pronunciation of Guo to add to my list. So now I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different entries, seven pronunciations of this. Yeah, we're going to have by the time the Guo <laughs> go away. Hmm. I wouldn't think we would get more than 10 because that just seems like how many possible variations can there be of this word? <laughs> you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll take that action. I think we're going to get more than 10. More than 10? Okay, yeah. what are we betting? Bragging rights? I don't know. Oh, okay. Pride. Money? What do you want to bet? <laughs> I mean, I don't have money. Uh, stickers. Stickers! There we go. <laughs> I mostly just have cat stickers, so. That's okay. <laughs> I mostly have Baby Yoda stickers, so. Yeah, yeah I took two of them. <laughs> yeah, I got more. <laughs> so, back to the plot of this episode. So, they have their little trial... And it's basically like uh, Zippy is arguing that the Gwold are more intelligent and they require a host to survive. So Chlorel should have dominance in the body. And Daniel and Jack. He also makes the he also uh, makes the parallel of like superior beings. Yeah. They're like comparing people from Abydos to like animals beasts of burden yeah saying how the people of abydos use livestock in the same way that the gold use humans basically yeah which you know is an argument people use during slavery (laughs) about who was considered a beast of the field and who wasn't yeah i mean i feel like there there could be something said for animal rights but that sure, has nothing to but... do with using humans as slaves. But I feel like that was very reminiscent. That and the, the idea that Scar's body is not his own because there's another being in there. Uh-huh. That he did not voluntarily take on board. Right. I think it feels a lot more topical to right now than they probably yeah. intended 23 years ago. Yeah, it's definitely, like, the whole bodily autonomy thing is yeah. much more popular now than back then. Yeah, I don't even think they were thinking about it like that back then. No, probably not. No, because, like, the, the vibe of the episode, like, putting it on trial this way. I said off the top that it reminded me of Star Trek. There's this episode, I think it's, like, I think it's season two, episode nine of The Next Generation. I'm not 100% sure. But basically, for those who haven't seen it, among the crew on the Starship Enterprise, there is an android named Data who is in every way that counts a member of the crew, but he is at the end of the day an android. 
And this entire episode is a trial trying to determine whether or not he's the property of Starfleet because he's oh. not human. And that's the whole episode. And like one of the crew who is like, they're all very good friends. And one of the senior officers on the crew is tasked by Starfleet to argue against the point mm-hmm. and say that he is property when like he doesn't want to make that argument. So I actually thought that's where this episode was going. Mm. But fortunately it didn't go there. But it did make me think of that. It's called The Measure the measure of a man, if anybody mm-hmm. wants to watch it. Well, actually, this is going to come up in the very next episode that we're going to watch. There's okay. an issue of basically an AI and trying to determine if it's its own person or not. And so okay. they make the argument of, is it self-aware? Does it have a consciousness? Is it afraid of death? So like these basic tenets that determine whether or not something is like sentient and you know a person for all intents and purposes yeah so yeah we can talk about that a little bit next time too nice i'm looking forward to it i'll probably have more thoughts then because of how strongly i feel about ai but um (laughs) in that i hate it and anybody using it to substitute art or creativity should be ashamed of themselves right and should well it's not going to be it's not that kind of ai Okay. So don't worry, you're not gonna be triggered. (laughs) Jail time. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's not that kind of AI, so it's fine. (laughs) It's not chat GPT. (laughs) It's like chat GPT and the the AI art thing join forces and become an unholy terror next week on on Stargate SG (laughs) one. No. It's not like that. (laughs) So in the trial. Jack and Daniel argue that Scar was born into his body and being possessed means that he has no free will or rights of his own. And ultimately, Laia is on their side and agrees that life while being possessed is no life at all. Mm-hmm. So I like, the way, I like the way she phrased it. She's like, both of them have a right to life. Yeah. And again, this is so much more topical than I think they intended is both of them have the right Mm-hmm. to live but the minute one person's life or the way they live openly infringes on somebody else yeah on purpose yeah then that is no, then the person being infringed upon that's no longer a life right yeah it would be slightly different if it was unintentional like with Jolinar taking over sam's body she only did that because the person that she was in before ha- had died and she was only in that person because her previous host had been killed. Right. You know, so it was like by force of necessity. And she wanted to be able to leave Sam's body because Sam didn't want her in there. So, yeah. you know, that would have been a totally different circumstance. And the cool thing about the Toker is there is that level of it has to be voluntary. If you're volunteering yeah. to do it, then that's great. Yeah. And everybody benefits. And it's like, you have agreed to share your body with this other being, but yeah, if you haven't agreed, then that's not a life. Yep. I do feel like this episode brings in the whole argument of how, well, I mean, not argument, but discussion about how the Nox are pacifists and, you know, it's because they're, you know, are peaceful people and they don't want violence, but I don't know. I kind of feel like at some point, if you have watched the world makes slaves of millions of people in the galaxy for literally thousands of years, like tens of thousands of years. At what point is not stepping in the same thing as condoning it? You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like in any case, the minute you're aware and you don't step in, you're condoning it. And I feel like that's kind of the case with quite a few races. I mean, the Tolan are the same way. They just want to be peaceful and they only have weapons in order to defend themselves and they only use them if absolutely necessary and they're not happy to have to do that but then yeah i mean same thing like you know at at what point is this just a form of negligence i guess to know that the world are out there know that you have the weapons to stop them from subjugating the galaxy and yet you don't so i think yeah They don't exactly have the moral high ground. I think it's like, it's a little sus. Mm -hmm. That's not the word. I don't know what word I'm looking for. But it's like, 
willfully ignorant isn't it either. It's just like not cool mm -hmm. that you could be helping and you like have chosen not to. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I, I mean, I guess with the Nox, if they literally do not have weapons at all and they don't have ships at all, then they don't have the means to stop the globe necessarily. Not that they couldn't. I'm sure that they I'm sure they could build weapons if they wanted to. But I mean like the Tolan have weapons at the ready. So yeah, I don't know. I just I guess it just seems really egotistical in a way and morally ambiguous to be a superior race and not prevent widespread slavery across the galaxy. Yeah. What what was Jack asking? Was it Jack? One of them was asking them for something at the end. Oh, Jack was and like, was oh, like hey, no. We saved, we just saved your whole planet. You want to maybe give us an ion cannon? And she was like, LOL, no. <laughs> That's what it was, was, an ion cannon. Yeah, she, like, I mean, she didn't take it bad. No. She was just kind of, she was smiling. Like, she wasn't offended. <laughs> yeah, I remember, like, as a kid, I feel like I didn't like High Chancellor Travel, I guess, because he was, like, too much of an authority figure, you know, like, playing by the rules. But now I'm like, she seems totally reasonable to me. She's not, like, upset or raising her voice at all. She's, like, very She's chill. just doing her job. Yeah. <laughs> so it's funny that as a kid, I was like, oh, this lady. And as an adult, I'm like, yeah, she's fine. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, so they figure out that... So, I mean, originally, Corel did come to this planet so that the Tolan could kill, well, not kill Harrow directly because he wasn't there, but destroy some of his ships. But the secondary reason was to be able to get on the surface of the planet to tag all of the ion cannons and destroy them. Yeah. Zippy's Jaffa managed to do that while they're holding this trial and they destroy all of the ion cannons except for one that Laya hides uh, from Tilt's Yeah, Yeah, she's like, Sam was like, it's a very fine line between not firing the weapon and hiding it, you know? Yeah, she's, she's right. Yeah. It is still different. Yeah, but it's still like, I feel like Laya is consenting that it was the right thing to do to fire the cannon. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I'm like, feel like that's not quite as pacifist as you think you are. Pacifist-ish. Yeah. Yeah, so they save the day. Jack asks for an ion cannon. They don't get one, but it's fine. And there's like this whole little reunion scene where Scar comes back in after having Corel removed and he has like a Topra clothes on now instead of his like ceremonial garb is Corel. And so like Jack hugs him and Sam hugs him. He shakes hands with Tilk. <laughs> yeah. he, like, he looks at him and he like hesitates and then he extends a hand and they shake mm -hmm. hands. But you know who doesn't hug him? Daniel because he doesn't give a shit. Yeah. The whole episode like when they first saw Scara nobody hugged him I guess because they were like oh, this is kind What's of going also on here? Like, do we also want to hug Chlorel? Because, <laughs> like, maybe like, Chlorel would try to kill them or something if they think you hug no, them. No, like, that was that was a valid, that yeah. was a valid reaction. But, but now... Daniel doesn't care. Yeah, and I'm like, this is your brother-in-law. But that would require Daniel to remember that he had a wife. And also, I mean, I guess it wouldn't really have, like, fit the tone of this episode. But now they have to tell Scar that Sharae is dead. Jack's going to tell him because Daniel doesn't remember. I almost wonder if Daniel is hanging back because he knows he has to tell them that. And no, he's like getting he it. Scara is. <laughs> when they told them off the top that they found this, that they found Scara, both Daniel and Jack react. So uh -huh. Like what? Or something like that. Yeah. Jack reacts more than Daniel does. <laughs> yeah. Jack is visibly more shaken. Yeah. this news than Daniel is. And I'm like, it's because Jack cares more. Even back in that, like, season one closer, season two opener, when they see, when Scar has, like, a few brief moments of being himself, Daniel like, doesn't like, really acknowledge him. And, I mean, it's been, like, two years. I'm like, 
You haven't seen him in two years. Why aren't you hugging him? <sighs> he doesn't oh, care. Oh, Daniel. I like your comment that we've left the forests in Vancouver for office parks in Vancouver. It was right when they got there. I was like, this is an office park. And then they went down the stairs. I'm like, oh, this might actually be a school. <laughs> Everything was very pastel. On the inside, the outside was all, it was like 1960s Canadian architecture. <laughs> oh, Kira agrees. Kira agrees. She knows. <laughs> She's like, what is this? All right. Any final thoughts on these episodes? I'm so happy Scar is okay. Ooh. I thought they'd forgotten about him. Nah, of course not. I mean, they kind of mentioned him in passing before. Like, after they thought Apophis was dead. I guess he might still. But for now, he's not dead. I mean, I'm kind of impressed that Zippy is, like, still serving Chlorel at this point. Because with Apophis being dead, I would almost think that either Chlorel rises to power or fails spectacularly. And people serving under him, you know, try to usurp him in some way. I feel like neither one happened. I feel like they just kind of continued as normal because Chlorel never rose in power. And he... But you just kind of like disappeared for two years, and apparently, like Zippy was still serving him. So, I don't know. I don't know, man. It felt, I you know, I guess it kind of felt like they forgot about him, like the writers forgot about him. The writers forget about a lot of things. <laughs> At least we had some like very, very brief Sam Jack moments. I will always take those. Yeah. I think they were better in the last episode, personally. Yeah, yeah. But I will say that Jack in a black t shirt. Yeah. Chef's kiss. <laughs> oh, so I was talking to somebody on Twitter about the different kinds of like, uniforms for the Air Force. And they sent me a link to this document that, I mean, I haven't gone through yet because it's 169 pages. But <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> it was basically like, you know, describing the different types of, you know, like from fatigues to like dress clothes and there's also like there's a difference between like formal wear for military events versus formal wear for like a dinner and there are like different uniforms for different kinds of like the band also has a different uniform and all that kind of stuff apparently right. there are like scottish pipe bands and they wear kilts jack I'm should like, wear a kilt i know i was like i'm just a picturing jack and a kill now <laughs> that's a beautiful site right we need to write an au where jack plays some kind of instrument in the highland band mm -hmm. <laughs> and can wear kills <laughs> why not why not so did you find anything problematic in these two episodes not really i mean no i wouldn't even call it problematic it was just that this last episode was very like about Social bodily commentary. Autonomy. Yeah. Yeah. Not it wasn't problematic. I mean, yeah. in several respects, but I wouldn't call that problematic. Just talk. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, in, I feel like they, to answer the other question, I do think it holds up for a modern audience, perhaps better than yeah. they had intended. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. So next week, we're going to be talking about episodes 16 and 17, Ergo and 100 Days. And you're welcome to watch along with us. Arzu, you're not going to like 100 Days. I'm just going to let you know. Why? You're not gonna like it. Why? I'm not gonna tell you. Legally, you have to tell me. <laughs> but Ergo is very, very fun. It's a very fun episode. So mm -hmm. just keep riding the high of Ergo into 100 days to get you through. Oh boy. <laughs> what? Did Sam and Jack die? Nobody dies. I don't like your silence. Nobody dies permanently. I mean, okay. not unless you win. Fine. Are you ready for your next quote? Yes. Row, row, row your boat gently down the stream. Merrily, 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 life is but a dream. Are you flipping kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> Who sings that and why? I'm going to say Daniel trying to make a point. <laughs> like they make what? a joke about the song and Tilt doesn't know what it is. 
So he sings it to him. Oh, okay. To try to jog his memory. Yeah. But like, what memory? <laughs> he has no memory of this song. Well, I mean, Tilk is learning about earth culture. So, I mean, that could include like learning nursery rhymes. Okay, fine. So I'm going to go with Daniel. Okay. Singing it to Tilk. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's it for today. If you enjoyed listening to our podcast, we would love for you to rate and review. Even if you don't feel like reviewing, just want to throw us a five stars somewhere. We really appreciate that. If you want to talk to us about Stargate, you can find us on our podcast Twitter and Tumblr page at Wormhole Waffles. You can find me on Twitter and Tumblr at Chelsea Fairless. Arzu, how about you? You can find me on Twitter at Arzu I mean. I'm uh, at Arzu D2 everywhere else. As a network, we are on Twitter at geeky underscore waffle. We are the Geeky Waffle on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Tumblr. We are also at thegeekywaffle.com, the Geeky Waffle on YouTube, and patreon.com slash thegeekywaffle, where we have more and more waffles after dark content. So be sure Woo. to check that out. Yeah. Oh, Kira says bye too. Bye, Kira. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you on the other side of the event horizon. <laughs>